One of, if not the most frustrating parts of owning and running a business is the constant battle of getting employees to comply, follow important processes, and get on board with company goals and initiatives. Why is it so hard to get buy-in? Based on my experience, what feels like reluctance for our employees really comes down to only six things. This is part four of a four-part series we cover all six reasons, and more importantly, what to do about each one. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So we're going to start off today talking about um, this person you've known in your career. I don't want to, I don't want to give them a name, but uh, some folks call them prima donnas. Some folks call them arrogant. Some folks, some folks call them uh, stuck up. Whatever. This is a person who believes certain tasks are beneath them. This is the per- person that, when you're having your training in the room with you know 15 people or 10 people or five people or 100 people, doesn't matter. They're in their mind, sitting there thinking, "Well, you don't mean me. You don't mean I should be the one to do that. Do you know who I am? Do you know how much money I bring this company?" Do you know how much experience I have? Do you know how hard it'd be for you to replace me? You don't, you don't, you don't understand what I bring to the company and how much more valuable the company is because I am here. You don't mean I should do this, whatever this task is. And sometimes, you know, it's it's not a very pleasant task. Sometimes it's hard physical work. Sometimes it's just messy, whatever it is. Sometimes they just don't like to do it. There are a number of people out there who will be our employees someday who just have this belief that somebody else should have to deal with this stuff, that whatever this process is we're talking about, whatever this unpleasant task in their mind, it's unpleasant at least, whatever this task is, it's somebody else's problem. They should not be bothered to take care of this. We will also have employees who just lack confidence and don't think they can achieve the goal, don't think they have the skills to follow the process, don't don't think they can hit the sales goal, the, the um you know, we, I'll get into a couple of examples later on, but uh, they just, they don't think they can do it. So they just give up before trying. This is especially true in kind of salesy things for especially blue collar, but white collar too. Um, folks who are more operational in what they do, we get into kind of salesy things and they just think they can't do it. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a, a company I worked for a long time ago, you know, blue collar folks, service jobs, you know, out in the field, working on people's homes, businesses, that kind of thing. And there was a contest to, to sell, to sell this maintenance product. And they got spiffs and bonuses and stuff like that. They achieved it. You know, but it was, it was a maintenance product uh, for the customer to buy. And we went through extensive training and we saw pretty decent results from about a third. And we saw so-so results from about a third. And we saw pretty negative results from about a third. And when we started diving into the, the negative results with a third that were just not kind of performing or not at least performing to the level we had anticipated, 
ultimately we learned that most of them just didn't think they could do it. And so they gave up. They didn't even try. Um, it wasn't that the training was poor. It wasn't that they didn't understand what to do. It wasn't that they didn't understand the language to use and what the benefits for the customer were and what the benefits for, you know, help helping the customer save money and and the benefit to them and the benefit to the, the company. Like they they understood all that stuff. They just flat didn't think they could do it, so they didn't even try. So along with that, you'll also have people. Again, if you have more than ten employees, if you have ten employees or more, you have these people probably in your company who either think. They shouldn't have to do this thing uh, to the degree where they're not really willing to, or they're not able because they don't have the experience, they don't have the skill, they don't have the the knack for sales, like whatever it is, right? Um, so you could have a situation where if you have 10 people in your company, simultaneously, you could have a situation where you have the, the prima donna who's sitting there saying, I bring X amount of value to the company, I bring X revenue, certainly don't mean I should do that. And you can have people with, you know, senior senior employees who have a lot of skill who could be thinking, well, you're talking to the people who don't have my skills. You're talking to them about this particular task, whatever it is in your meeting. And you could have people who don't have the skills and experience who assume you're talking to the people who have all the experience. And so you could walk out of a meeting where everybody thinks you're talking to somebody else. And I think this probably happens more often than we like to admit. There's probably plenty of times where every single person in the room we're talking to believes we're talking to somebody else and that they're not the ones you're talking to. So even though these these are much less likely to be the case than people not knowing the goal, people knowing why it matters, and people know not knowing how to how to do a task, how which process to follow, or what tools to or how to use tools or aids or software, something like that. These two we're talking about today are, are less likely than those for sure. But they do still exist. And they, in my mind, they are still in the top six reasons people don't do things. So one of the things I would recommend is, and, and this won't be hard to do, you'll, you kind of do this naturally probably. I think most people kind of do this naturally, which is identifying people on your team who are prone to these kinds of behaviors. Like who on your team is, is likely to sit there and be thinking, you don't mean for me to do this. That, that you mean for somebody else. This is not... <laughs> I should not be the one doing this. I have far too great a skills to be to be troubled with this little menial task you're talking about. Uh, and you could also have people who are younger, don't have the confidence, don't have the skills, who who think, well, you're talking to those guys. I don't know how to do this. You must be talking to somebody else. But they're not going to speak up, right? None of these folks are likely to speak up and say this stuff. They're just thinking it. And they walk out of the meeting convinced 100% that you were talking to somebody else. And they shouldn't even, why was I even there? This was not a meeting I should have even been at. So uh, again, I think we are able to, generally speaking, identify like who is the person or persons who would have that kind of arrogant um, belief that this is just beneath them. And who are the people who have really good skills and abilities, but just don't have the confidence. Or maybe are really close on the skills and abilities, but not quite there yet, but with a little bit of coaching, a little bit of, little bit of you know, incentivizing and coaching and prodding, they can get there. But would otherwise like discount themselves, you know, who sells themselves short? You know, I think we are able to, to figure that stuff out and we can look out for signals in the meetings. If we're, again, if we're doing group training, if we're doing group education, if we're doing group safety meetings, whatever it is, you can look out for signals in those meetings that would indicate someone is tuning out, uh, which is a great indicator that they don't think you're talking to them for whatever, one of those reasons or both those reasons, whatever. 
So we can look for people who are doodling on their paperwork. We can look for people who are texting. We can look for people who are surfing on Facebook. We can look on those things are really obvious, right? Things that are a little less obvious is looking for signals that they're, that they're um, looking for reassurance from peers of theirs, that their perspective on this is valid. So if you have that person who's like, who's thinking, um, certainly you don't mean me to do this, like the prima donna, they would likely try to make eye contact with another prima donna in the room. And they would both like, you know, non-verbally communicate and validate each other. Like they, they don't mean us. Right. And, or look each other in the kind of like roll their eyes or have that kind of, yeah, whatever look, this stuff is hard to explain on a podcast, but I'm certain, you know what I'm talking about. That person who looks at somebody else is like, yeah, whatever this is. Why, why are we here? This is not meant for us. Um, they would do that with other people who they would kind of put in that same boat as them as being above this task, whatever it is. Or the people who are inexperienced would look for other people who are, you know, less experienced in the company also or in the room or whatever and look at them with that kind of, yeah, whatever, this is not something we can do. Or um, I really like, yeah, I wish. I wish I could do that, but there's no way. Um, so those are things I look out for in trainings and groups, also one-on-one. Uh, you know, if if I'm talking to somebody and I just, you know, I kind of get that, yeah, right, whatever, that eye rolling or that snickering, kind of, you know, that look of, you, you got, you're out of your mind. You want me to do this for whichever reason, either they think they're above it or they think they can't do it, whichever reason, it doesn't matter. Um, I think one-on-one that's easier to figure out and, and, and identify it's a little tougher in a group, I think, but I, I, I still think it's doable. So one of the things I will do at the end of these trainings, especially, well, hundred percent guaranteed. If I, if I suspect that there's somebody in the room who has this perspective uh, that they shouldn't do this, but also one on one. If I get the if I get the feeling one on one that this is kind of going on, either one of these two things, I shouldn't have to. It's not fair. It's not reasonable for me to do this, or I can't. It's not fair if you expect me to do this based on my limited experience or my limited skills. Like you know, you're asking too much. Um, either way, group or one on one, I will ask questions to get out in front of the what I call parking lot conversation which is they say nothing in the meeting and then the meeting is adjourned. They all go out to the parking lot and out in the parking lot, they all of a sudden get really confident and vocal about this is nonsense. I'm not doing that. This guy's lost his mind if he thinks I'm going to do that. Or I wish I could do that, but I don't really know how. And I, you know, I'm just going to do my thing and keep my head down. Either one of those parking lot conversations will happen. Um, my goal is to, is to avoid those. And so again, if I, I will generally do this anyway, but especially if I suspect somebody is kind of in that prima donna or not confident arena, I'll just flat out ask. I'll ask two questions. The first one is, well, I'll ask two types of questions. I might format them a little differently, but the first one is whose job is this or whose responsibility is this or the inverse? Like who wouldn't this apply to in our company? Like we're going to we're going to do uh, whatever it is. We're rolling out this thing or we're going to wear floor protectors in people's houses. Whose responsibility in the company is it to do that? Or who's not responsible within our company for doing this? And I'm just going to flat out like wait for somebody to say, well, I shouldn't have to do this, which they're never going to do. I mean, I guess, you know, there's that one guy in a thousand that, that might. Um, but for the most part, they're never going to do that. But 
I given them the opportunity. And so now they would look foolish if they say, if they say nothing in this meeting and then go out into the parking lot and have the conversation. Um, the other thing is if I ever have to come back and hold them accountable to perform this, I don't, I have not bought into this belief and I've given them a chance to share this belief that they shouldn't have to do this. So I kind of get out in front of that by asking in the group or one-on-one, like whose responsibility is it to do this? Who in the company should have to follow this rule? Who in the company is exempt from following this rule, including me, including me, the business owner. Like if I'm not exempt from following this rule, that pretty much eliminates anybody else's excuse for being, or anybody else's case for being exempt as well. Um, so some variation of that is what I will ask to kind of identify and sort out or, or, or suss out that um, the prima donna kind of, uh, this is beneath me, whatever you're asking. I, I have my own way of doing things. I don't need your input. Thank you very much. That person is who I want to address by saying, who in the company is exempt from doing this or whose responsibility is it to do this? And the answer is, it's everybody's responsibility. And that will be verbalized in the meeting. Somebody will say that, likely. And if they don't, then I will say it. And I will say, this is everybody's responsibility, including mine. And if I don't have a, a good case for doing not doing this, then neither does anybody else. Anybody disagree with that? And the answer is always no, of course. So these are self-evident things, but they get out in front of this kind of, I'm beneath, it's beneath me to do it. And if I have to have a follow-up conversation later on, I can very clearly articulate we talked about this and how it's everybody's responsibility and there's nobody who's exempt from this, including you, period, right? But I found that generally speaking, that second conversation does not have to happen if I have the first conversation. Uh, the second thing I'll ask to identify the people who are just not confident, don't believe in their skills, sell themselves short, whatever, um, I just ask, do each of you believe you can do this? Or is there anybody here who thinks they can't do this? Is there any reason you would have to think that this is not possible for you? Like whatever version you want to use of that question, again, I want to give them an opportunity to tell me in this meeting before we adjourn and go out to set the world on fire and break records and kick butt and all that kind of stuff. I want to give them an opportunity to say, you know what? I, I don't think I can do this. I need help. Uh, there's a piece I'm missing or I don't have the confidence or whatever it is. I want them to say that now. I don't want them to nod their head and smile, no questions, adjourn the meeting, head out the door, and then they just don't do it because they don't have confidence. If they need practice with somebody, let's let's practice with somebody. If they need to, to role play with somebody who's really good at this, let's role play with somebody who's really good at this. If they want to, you know, uh, whatever it is, like I'm here to help, right? So uh, another version is, um, besides, is this something everybody thinks they can do or is there anybody who thinks they can't? Like, you know, the, and I got to be careful with that. I don't want to out somebody and embarrass them. Again, that's my number one goal here is to get the right, get the truth without embarrassing people, not get the right answer, get the true answer without embarrassing people. Um, and if it's a lofty goal, I'll say this, hey, this is a lofty goal. Do we think we can do this? And if so, how do we know we can do this? What tells us we can achieve this lofty goal? Again, I want to give them opportunities to either confirm that, yep, they're on board Yep, and I'm watching body language. I'm I'm watching their eyes. I'm watching how they react to this. And some are going to be really vocal and loud. And like, yeah, heck yeah, we're going to do this. And some are going to be really reluctant and not confident. And those are the people I would say, why do you think we can do this? And if they can't answer that, then um, then maybe they have a confidence problem. Uh, another thing I'll I'll say, if I really do believe there's somebody who's struggling with confidence or doesn't believe they're in their skills or is selling themselves short. I will say something like, you know, 
we've we talked about this. It sounds like we're all on board with something. This is something we can do. If you don't think you can do this and you're uncomfortable saying so in the group, then come see me after the meeting. Again, my goal is not to box them in to commit to giving the quote unquote right answer. My goal is for them to tell me the truth. If they don't believe they can do it, the sooner I find out, the better. Because if I if if they don't say so and we adjourn the meeting or the one-on-one training or whatever it is, and you know, we turn them loose to go out there and, and do this thing with and I have the belief that they're going to, and they or at least they're gonna really try. But they've like three steps out the door. They're like, there's no way I can do that. I'm not even going to bother. Well, <laughs> who is that hurting? That's hurting me. So the sooner I can find out about that, the better in my world. Uh, I would much rather get out in front of that kind of thing, figure out what the truth is, address the problem, train, teach, uh, whatever is necessary to make them successful. That's what I want to do. Because once I've done everything I can to make them successful, then it's really easy for me to hold them accountable. Like Once I've gotten in front of all these six things, Holding them accountable is a piece of cake. You know, if, once I've identified, like, there's nobody beneath this or nobody above this. This task is not beneath anybody here. Once I've gotten in front of that, I have zero problem holding people accountable to it to do this thing, even if I know something that they don't want to do. Even if I know it's something they've been in the trade for 40 years and they think this is beneath them. Sorry, we've covered this, right? So uh, before we move on, I just want to take one more moment here. This is the last time I'll tell you about this because it's not going to be available for much longer. Um, which is the hiring webinar I recorded about a month ago. It's available for you now at no charge. If you're like nearly all the uh, business owners I work with, you're frustrated you can't hire any talented people right now. Um, you might even be willing to settle for some untalented people if you could find them. This webinar is primarily for business owners and service industries just like you who are struggling to find applicants or prospective employees. In this webinar, you're going to learn the number one way employers work against human nature when writing and placing their ads. And then, of course, don't get results they're hoping for. You're going to learn the five questions you must answer in every ad if you want applicants to respond, and you'll learn the number one obstacle that prohibits applicants from acting right away. It all it all is less than an hour. Uh, and here's the thing: there's no big sales pitch at the end. There was a, an opportunity for people to join the open enrollment period of our group coaching program, but that deadline is come and gone, so you don't even have to worry about that. Um, I mean, there's information on there on it, but you don't have to worry about acting in any way on that. Um, just go take advantage of the free information that's been really helpful for some other folks. In some cases, people literally went from uh, not being able to hire for two years to turning off their ad in six weeks because they could not hire any more people after they brought on twice as many people as they wanted to in the first place. Uh, I promise this will change the way you write your ads. So to watch it anytime, go to freehiringwebinar.com. That's freehiringwebinar.com. Okay, so the first thing we got to do is no that these beliefs and behaviors exist to some degree in every company, even yours, even mine. Especially if your company has more than 10 employees, you have somebody there who will hear certain tasks and say, that's beneath me. You certainly don't mean for me to be doing that. You have no, you've lost your mind. You've forgotten what I bring to this company. You are a lunatic if you think I should be doing that. And you will have, if you have more than 10 employees, you'll have people who, who hear certain things and go, that's just way above my skill set. There's no way I could do that. And so for me, I need to identify who on my team is prone to either one of those behaviors and be tuned into that before we have training, before we have education, before we roll out new initiatives or projects. And I want to look out for signals that indicate someone is tuning out in the meeting, which is a great indicator. They don't think you're talking to them for one reason or another. It could be they're doodling. It could be uh, they're texting. It could be they're on Facebook. Again, those are all super obvious examples. Less obvious examples and harder, especially if you're using a whiteboard and your backs to them and things like that, 
is looking for them to find peers to reassure their perspective on this is valid, to reassure them that their perspective on this is valid. Um, prima donnas will look for other prima donnas in the room to roll their eyes and give that yeah, right, whatever look to folks. People who are inexperienced or don't trust themselves or don't don't uh, give themselves the proper amount of, of credit for their skills and abilities will look for other people who are similar and they'll look for validation also. Like, this is this is not us. We can't do that. And they can do, it's amazing the amount of communication that can happen without a word being spoken. Once you see it, you'll understand it for sure. And um, that's what I look for. And then I'll ask questions. I just ask pointed questions and I stop talking. That, that's one of the keys to all this training and success, uh, uh, training and education, is, the success for it is to ask pointed questions and stop talking. One of those examples is whose responsibility is it to follow this process? Stop talking. The answer is everyone, right? Um, can and will you do this? Stop talking. Let's get, let them answer. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm going to do this. Or I would like to, but here's why I don't think I can. And I've had people say that, which is awesome. I would much rather have somebody say, I would like to do this, but I don't think I can, than nod and smile. Yep, I'm going to do this. And then walk out the door and have zero intention of doing it. I would much rather have the first one. So again, I'll just ask pointed questions. Is Who's exempt from doing this? Who's exempt, including me? Who's exempt from following this process? The answer is no one. So that that, that gets out in front of them. It would, it would look, the, the person who would, Leave that meeting and go out in the parking lot and have a conversation about, well, I'm not going to do that. That person's going to look pretty foolish after I just gave them a chance to say that publicly. They didn't take it, and now they're going to go out there and kind of behind the scenes try to pull that off. Um, same thing for the person who's who's underselling their own abilities. Like, you know, tell me. Let's let's get out in front of this. Let's learn. Let's 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 improve. Let's be able to do this, right? Um, okay, that's it for this week. Uh, don't forget to go to freehiringwebinar.com to learn the exact strategies other business owners implemented to find talented people after struggling for so long. Um, other than that, share this podcast with a friend or colleague if you would. If you know a business owner in the service industry who could use some help with this kind of information, please uh, feel free to share it. You can text it. You can email it. Uh, it's you know you can send it on Facebook Messenger. Like there's there's tons of easy ways to send this thing. Um, give us a rating review if you have a chance if you have a spare couple minutes that would be awesome and thank you for everyone who has done either of those things both sharing and the rating and review I really do appreciate it Uh, our audience is growing pretty dramatically as a result and I can't thank you guys enough I really do appreciate that so that's it for this week and I will see you all next week